Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm with Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BantamOnline.com and the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa, uh, 11 a.m. to noon. The Talking Tide podcast available at our web host always at podbean.com. Also various apps including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. The Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. You can follow along there as we drop podcasts. And uh, also want to, of course, thank our sponsors, North River Dental Associates, Heat Pizza Bar, and Southern Ale House. And with that, we catch up the Talking Tide audience, Travis after a uh, lengthy absence from uh, when we last podcasted, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we were watching Alabama uh, fade on its way into a Southeastern Conference basketball tournament that never even happened. And then they got this Corona on, you know, and uh, that was that. Absolutely. Uh, we were going into kind of the midweek of the SEC uh, men's basketball tournament. You had conference tournaments around the country uh, both men's and women's and a couple of them uh, went off it, right some of the yeah. smaller conferences got theirs in uh, yeah and then for for the most part though uh a season of uh, no closure for a lot of basketball teams around college hoops so tough to see it in that way but uh just surreal i guess the way to best describe the events following that first week or so and you know, everything that's gone by the boards now, just here locally, when you talk about spring football practice, you talk about uh, Alabama baseball, Alabama softball, spring sports, A-Day, a big one for the local community, business community. And then just this weekend, it was supposed to be the spring commencement for uh, UA. So uh, a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of big mile markers by the boards. No doubt. And, and the narrative that you get from uh, commissioners, et cetera, across the boards, this sport and that sport, coaches, administrators, athletic directors, et cetera. Uh, everybody's running the same playbook right now, which is we plan on business being open, but we'll, but we'll see. So that's all you which is short for saying we're not revealing our contingency plans unless they have to be unveiled. Right. And there's, 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 honesty in those comments because when you're talking about power five football or just running universities looking ahead to a fall semester you better be planning in early may I mean, this isn't uh, a middle school or an elementary school that you're planning to fire back up maybe in the fall uh, you know these are forty thousand student campuses and uh, major corporate type athletic departments at the power five level so uh, they're absolutely planning. Uh, I think some fans, because they are so anxious for a college football season, and resembling some uh, some form of normalcy and what we've had in previous years, they hear those comments and and they they take the glass half full approach and run with. Well, it's it's definitely going to happen. No, we, we we still don't know that. And um, you know, while the expectation I would think is still very much to have some form of a football season in the fall. I don't think anyone knows for sure right now exactly what that's going to look like. Probably a different kind of heat on MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred too, Travis, from others in that 
he's supposed to be in season right now, and it's the mm-hmm. longest season in regular season in sports at six months, and it's squeezing in 162 games. And so, as as opposed to a commissioner, an AD, what what have you, a conference, whatever, making a decision on can we start on time. He, Manfred's looking at this saying, what can we squeeze in? What's worth squeezing in? What's not worth squeeze? You know what I mean? It's just, it's a whole different ball game for that guy. Yeah, when you're going from a 162-game schedule to possibly something un- under 100 games, potentially, um, that, that that's certainly uh, a, a big question for, for MLB. And plus, uh, you know, over in Asia, you're seeing some of the professional leagues crank it up. Uh, South Korea has got a league going. Um, so yeah, I, I think obviously, and it's also different dynamic with the professional sports and collegiate sports, because you're not incorporating the whole student part of it with the athlete. So while my expectation, I don't know about you, Chase, my expectation is that pro sports, NBA, I know the owners here of late and, uh, you know, have expressed to the league that perhaps it's time to just go ahead and wash the the 2019-2020 uh, season, the remainder of it, and plan ahead for for next season. Um, you know, the NFL, we've talked about Major League Baseball. I'll still be surprised if we don't have Major League sports of some kind, NHL looking ahead, of some kind before the end of the year. I think whether it's the big four that, that, that make it happen before the end of the year or maybe it's one or two, I, I still think we're going to see major league sports in, in some in some manner uh, before the end of the year. I don't know about you, but that, that's kind of where I'm at on pro sports anyway. Bringing it back to college sports, and of course, UA in Tuscaloosa, Travis, a wash on spring practice for Nick Saban. Two things that have to stick out about that. One, a real missed opportunity for Saban to engage in some much-needed development on the defensive side of the ball. After uh, after a uh, a defense last year that was the, the most questionable of of Saban's era at UA probably, uh, and also obviously uh, Bryce Young the quarterback. There goes the the, the freshman the incoming freshman in the big five star thought to be a competitor for a starting role right away. Uh, that's that's not going to happen. And so Mac Jones obviously gets out of the gate in the fall with a bigger gap to work with. Yeah. You think about individuals most impacted perhaps negatively by the spring, not only the spring, but just the off season in general um, from spring into summer workouts and, and how that could be very well impacted as well. You think young players. So yeah, Bryce young would certainly fit that bill, especially as a young quarterback. You also think, Injured players, uh, guys like Dylan Moses, Josh McMillan, uh, the injured guys that, that they had that they were still trying to get back to full go for the 2020 season, um, and them not having access to the facility and the training staff at Alabama, um, you know, perhaps because of how common knee injury and the rehab process has become now, wherever some of these guys are, they're able to do that where, where they are. Uh, but it's next level. There's no doubt under Jeff Allen and uh, his staff over there at the Malmore Athletic Facility. Um, and even some second-year guys. You know, a guy like Shane Lee, uh, who was thrust into such a position at, at middle linebacker 
uh, in 2019 and, and how you sort of anticipated after some of the lumps he took as a young player, you know, being able to get a full run, uh, a continued full run through the strength and conditioning program, especially with the two new uh, faces involved there and David Ballou and Matt Ray and the sports science approach that's coming on board more now uh, with those guys. Uh, yeah, I would say the early enrollees and even some of the, the first-year guys transitioning to their second year and then some of the injured players. What kind of a shock to the system you think this had to be on Nick Saban, given that he's such a calendar hound and so regimented with a, a schedule that he plots out 12 months ahead? Uh, I, it, 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 it must have twisted with his head pretty good, Travis. I don't think it's just Nick Saban either. And I think there were probably more than a few ADs around the Southeastern Conference back in mid-March when, yeah, I mean, this all happened in that same week when Alabama was supposed to start spring practice on that Friday. So, I mean, it was so many worlds coming together with spring sports already underway, but going into conference play uh, full bore. Um, But from the football perspective, uh, I think if I was one of these ADs, if I was Greg Byrne or one of these SEC ADs, I would have been going to Greg Sankey and saying, look, y'all need to come down with something from the league office because these alpha dogs, also known as SEC football coaches, they're not going to want to hear it from me. You know, if I try to go down the hall, Chase, and say, hey, look, Nick, maybe push this thing back. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. Uh, good luck with that. But I, I think that there's a reason why it ultimately came from the league office. And I think ADs were probably very happy and probably wondering why it took so long because, uh, you know, Nick Saban, from what we could tell anyway, he was right up until midday on the Friday that Alabama was supposed to start spring practice. There wasn't much coming from over there as far as it being postponed or pushed back. So, you know, with these football coaches, Chase, you know, this, you better have the league come down with it and uh, and help these ads out because they're they're in the the ads are in the toughest spot with these football coaches. You saying it's not about the nameplate on the door as much as it is <laughs> no, no, the no, window no. view? It's about the no, window no, view. No, right? no, 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 <laughs> no, no. So there's Rob. the athletic director, <laughs> and then there's the athletic director for football. <laughs> uh, well, it's, yeah. Uh, a little uh, separate entity at a lot at a lot of places. I believe that to be well, the case. Well, and, just just look at the zeros on the end of the paychecks. Okay, for more on that, you know, you know look at the W twos for those guys and gals, and then uh, get back to me on the the uh, the uh, chain the, the the command chain there. Everybody, right? everybody in the same boat. Do you, do you expect sloppy football all around in September, or, or like notably sloppy football? Well, I think yeah, obviously. Here's the thing. Um, you know, we talked about this on my radio show here in the last week. I think Alabama, all things considered for what Alabama is competing for on an annual basis. I thought Alabama came out of the draft in far better shape, say an LSU. Like if there's an expedited ramp up chase to the start of the season, I would think Alabama feels a lot better about Mac Jones after getting four starts last year, mm-hmm. you know, being their guy to open the season and also with four offensive line starters back, you look at lines of scrimmage, right? Um, essentially who you got coming back 
and and you know whereas LSU had the big season, had the huge draft night, all those things, uh, a team like that with so much to replace, it it could be a, a little more daunting challenge there. Four new coaches in the Southeastern Conference: Travis Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, Eli Drinkwitz, and Sam Pittman. I gotta say. A washed-out spring practice is more of a gut punch for Leach, for Leach among those four, just because of that full-on air raid he, he he was hoping to get installed. It is um, the saving grace for Leach is that he's got a veteran quarterback coming in in KJ Costello from Stanford. You know, so he's going to have a been there, done that guy at the position, and uh, a very skilled guy on top of that. But there is still something to be said about cohesion and, you know, adaptability to a change in a system and philosophy and things like that. Maybe even more so for Mississippi State, uh, the defensive side of the ball has to be considered as well. The biggest with the four new SEC coaches, Chase, the biggest thing we lose as media is SEC media day is likely going virtual and we don't get Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach at the podium. You know what I mean? In front of 700 people is what we're going to lose with those guys as much as anything. Waiting out, Mike Leach, I think, is waiting out that virus in uh, Key West. I, is is there yeah. a, is there a coach who's traveled more miles from from Pullman, Washington, to Key West since last year? Uh, he, he's he's been at both corners. Yeah, he's waiting out that virus, and he's also waiting out that Twitter. You know, after that uh, tweet he had that caused a. A few eyebrows to raise yeah. uh, a month or so ago. He, I think, I think Mike's got a couple things he's waiting out right now. Yeah, but if you're going to do it, Duval Street without tourists isn't a bad place to do it. You know, Key West, uh, not bad. You've been down there. I have not. Got married down there. Yeah, that's, right. that's where the uh, chocolate lady and I actually tied the knot down there in Key West. Yeah, no doubt about it. Nearly 25 years ago now. Mm. I know, right? Something Seems like else. 50 to her. <laughs> Yeah, it's our silver anniversary, but it feels it it's it feels more fifty-ish, not necessarily golden, probably to her. You know, uh, self-deprecation can, can be a <laughs> fabulous humor, uh, especially uh, when it's the truth. Yeah, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Humor. <laughs> Uh, NFL draft results for Alabama. Travis, we'll hit on that really quick. Four first-round picks. You and I talked about this pre-draft on uh, Southern Fried Sports, as a matter of fact, about how many Alabama would squeeze in there. Turned out to be four. Uh, McKinney, I thought, had had the best shot to be the fifth. But uh, you and I talked about McKinney and Diggs being the two questions in in the quest for six, I guess. Yeah, we did, and I thought Diggs was probably the biggest question mark of the six, and it kind of played out that way. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, Raquan Davis, for a guy that's six seven, and was essentially a two and a half year starter at Alabama at a position of value, uh, and when you look at the guy and the measurables, people were actually surprised he went as high as he did there in the second round. You know, I, two years ago. I don't think anybody would have – the surprise would have been, how the hell did he go that low? Um, but, yeah, Diggs and McKinney there going to the second round, and we talked about this too. And this is the way when when Nick Saban talks about guys doing the right thing and you know following the 
sort of procedures that he has in place for the NFL draft. This was about as clean a year from that perspective as we've seen maybe in his entire tenure as Alabama head coach because you had underclassmen, you had four underclassmen, okay, that went in the first round, right? In Wills, Ruggs, Judy, and Tonga Vailoa. He can't argue that that's fine. As long as you're a first rounder, he's good with that. McKinney may have had a first round grade chase as an underclassman. He slipped into the the top part of the second round. Trayvon Diggs was a four-year player. Raquan Davis was a four-year player. Terrell Lewis was a four-year player. Anthony Jennings was a five-year player. So when you break it down and how guys went and who went, this was this is what Saban has always talked about, right? Interestingly enough, too, as you mentioned McKinney, Travis, wasn't it just a few years ago that Landon Collins was expected to go first round, mm-hmm. slides out of the first round, Guess who picks him first de- first pick of the second round? The New York Giants. Exact, Absolutely. Exact same thing just happened with McKinney at the same position. He slips out, and they didn't get they didn't have the first pick of the second round like they did with Collins, but they snatched him up fast. They did. They absolutely did. And look, you know, I don't know if Xavier's going to prove to be Earl Thomas. Maybe he will. Um, I don't think he's an Ed Reed type of safety back there. But he's going to be solid for a decade as long as he stays healthy. I, I feel comfortable in, in saying that. So um, that's, a, that's, that's, that's what they call really nice value there in, at the 36th overall spot there in the second round by the Giants. Um, boomer bust potential, maybe more so because of health. And obviously two at five would qualify there. Um, Trayvon Diggs, I think. There, there's probably not going to be much in between. I think he's either going to be a really good pro or maybe D. Milner like at some point in the in three or four years down the road. Terrell Lewis and kind of Anthony Jennings, where they went, you know, third round. Uh, you know, they're, they're, the expectations aren't going to quite be the same as they are for some other guys. But uh, it's an interesting class, and it was all done by Friday night. If you're an Alabama fan, they, they g- gave you the weekend off, although you you really didn't have much else to do. Yeah. On draft weekend, couple couple thoughts about some of these guys, Travis. I, I, Raquan Davis, you touched on the measurables never really matched the production there. That's what, and, and I thought Davis was going to be available later. And I definitely didn't see him going uh, as quickly as he did in round number two. That would have been on uh, Friday, on the Friday, the second day. Yep. Um, he he. See, seemed like he he regressed. Yeah, he actually did have a big year, I guess, as a sophomore. People kind of, but but that's so far gone in the rearview mirror that there were a lot of questions about it, and and uh, he ends up going high. So Dolphins definitely drafting um, kind of a frame there, if you know what I mean, physically. Oh, no and doubt. Taking taking a because because the the measurables on Davis scream NFL. Uh, <laughs> And then Anthony Anthony Jennings, I thought he went he went higher than I thought he would. Patriots grabbed him around three. Obviously, Belichick and Saban had some uh, serious conversations about him. There's no question about that. Uh, I, me personally, I, lo- I love Jennings as a player and a guy and a leader and and a and a, and a guy who's always seems to be responsible for his job on the field. Um, but I don't see his pass rush skills translating to the NFL. Um, not as much as Terrell Lewis. Not as twitchy, no doubt, as Terrell Lewis. There's no doubt about that. 
Um, I will say for Anthony in the biggest games, you saw some of his best pass rush ability. You know, a couple of games against Clemson, he was just out of sight. Um, you know, I, when I look at Anthony, I, what I'm and we talked about this back around the Senior Bowl because I know you noticed this too. You saw Anthony Jennings work some inside in the senior bowl practices. Yep. So maybe there's some versatility that Belichick sees there similar to Dante Hightower. Um, and that you can use him at cross training, maybe at, at both spots. And, you know, with Raekwon getting back to him a little bit, he, he reeks of like a Chris Jones pick there. Chris Jones of the, uh, of the, uh, Chris Jones of the, uh, Kansas city chiefs. I believe it is Chris Jones coming out of, uh, coming out of Mississippi state was much the same type of guy, um, four or five years ago. You looked at Chris Jones, six, six, kind of like Raekwon Davis, um, like Raekwon, he's from the state of Mississippi and the production maybe at Mississippi state didn't quite match up with the measurables and, and those type of things. But, uh, he has become a, an outstanding pro. There's other guys, Eric Armstead of the 49ers, uh, DeForest Buckner now of the Colts after moving on from the 49ers, uh, in free agency, I, I'm sure that's what the Dolphins are are hoping anyway from from Raekwon. What about Henry Ruggs and Lynn Bowden going to the Raiders together, joining up with Josh yeah. Jacobs? Uh, Derek Carr, they Derek Carr can't complain about the the commitment to get him some weapons. I thought Ruggs and Judy got their quarterbacks switched up. I would have rather have seen Jerry Judy in an offense with Derek Carr, who has no problem checking it down or going to the shorter stuff underneath, you know, where you can get the ball to Jerry uh, from the slot working that way. And I like Drew Locke's arm talent with, with the speed of Henry Ruggs III. But, I mean, these are two guys that can make quarterbacks of any type of skill set look pretty good. But you're right, the – Pretty obvious with the Raiders, right? They were they're looking to to add some juice on offense. Uh, Mike Mayock brought in Lynn Bowden, interestingly enough, as a running back, gave him number thirty three. Travis, yeah, uh, that I think... took some people by surprise that that he uh, even even when they turned in the card for the pick, they list they they said mm-hmm. run, running back Lynn Bowden. Got to have another guy to go with Josh Jacobs. You know, it's a it's a long football season and. Um, I, I think there's a there's a, a lot of different things you can do with Bowden, though. You know, you can put him in the slot. You can put him in the backfield. Um, you can direct snap it to him in some situations. Obviously, he got a lot of work doing that last season at Kentucky. So that is interesting, though, to just go straight up with a, a you know, running back number and, and put him right there. You could give him that 33 and call him a running back and have him in the slot half the time. You know, I mean, yeah. so anything could happen out of it. But I just thought no that was... 32, no 32 or 34 with the Raiders, I guess. You <laughs> no. got Bo and Marcus Allen. You can have 33, though. Yeah, that's exactly right. The Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. The Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide. Chase Goodbread and Travis Dreyer with you for a few minutes. Going to talk a little bit of Alabama basketball before we get out of here, Travis. But uh, first, want to thank North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley for the outstanding work that they do over there, over at North River. Uh, the situation there, they're, they're, they're getting open, but with some restrictions. And so it's it's one of those, uh, give them a call, 752-3506, uh, and uh, they can let you know 
exactly what they're going to be able to do for you. The emergency stuff all uh, statewide, obviously, is um, certainly uh, certainly a go at this point and uh, uh, getting opened up fast. A lot of people are going to be jumping out to the barbers, Travis, and a lot of people are going to be jumping yes. out to the uh, dentist as well, hopefully. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, that's the place to do it. Absolutely. Dr. Jack and his staff are out of this world. Great. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple places to go put those choppers to work. The first one being Southern Ale House out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. They've been practicing the social distancing on the regular. So they're doing the takeaway service. Um, they continue to do on Saturdays, they do this great burger setup right out in the front parking lot with the grill out there, Brett and the rest of the gang. They are doing some outstanding burgers, chicken sandwiches, uh, barbecue sandwiches. You can get a sandwich, the house-made chips, and a drink for 11 bucks, and that includes tax, and they are great. The takeaway service, to-go service, you can call 205-248-7500, uh, and they're going to get you set up. Just give them a call there at 248-7500, and they will get you ready to go with the to-go service. Still the great full menu, so none of that has changed at Southern Ale House. Also going to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa, at Government Plaza. Open from 5 to 9 uh, weekdays and on the weekends as well. You can do the takeout service there at Heat Pizza Bar. You give them a call right now, or well, when they're open, 205 205- 632-3282, Frank and Will, support them. Get out there. Take care of our local restaurants. They need you. And Heat Pizza Bar, Southern Ale House, they do a great, great job. Talking, Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in the Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. Uh, Travis will touch on Alabama hoops before we get out of here. Uh, first year for Nate Oates, we've talked about this. He played – uh, Avery Johnson's players a ton of minutes because he had to. He had guys he brought in that got hurt. You had the Quinterly kid that wasn't even eligible. And uh, Nate Oates, um, Nate Oates guys didn't play a ton of minutes. Shackelford obviously did. A couple of them played quite a bit. But for a, for most first year coaches, not nearly as much roster flip as you would expect. And at, at, at other schools, well, guess what? Year two. It's that's going to have Nate Oates' stamp on it because the turnover we've seen just since you and I last podcasted, which again was uh, just as the SEC tournament was supposed to be commencing. Uh, Kira Lewis Jr. off to the NBA. John Petty and Herb Jones at this point still exploring things. Galen Smith in the portal. Jalen Forbes and Raymond Hawkins gone. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be plenty of turnover there uh, for sure. Yeah, there's just so much uncertainty with the NBA suspended. And now the draft lottery, I guess, has been pushed back indefinitely. The combine, so many of these lead-up events. And you've got that June 16th deadline for the underclassmen who haven't gone ahead and employed agents and sacrificed outright the remainder of their collegiate eligibility to return to school. So, you know, it's been interesting here of late with Galen Smith recently going in the transfer portal because it makes the numbers work in the event that both John Petty Jr. and Herb Jones come back. Uh, the sort of prevailing belief anyway is that Herbert Jones would in fact return for his senior season 
And after it really feeling like early on that John Petty would join Kyra Lewis and certainly staying in the draft process and heading to professional basketball uh, in, in some form or fashion, um, maybe John Petty Jr. is is uh, is a real possibility to come back. And if he does, that would put Alabama right at those 13 scholarships. So you're right. There is there is going to be transition almost every year, but you kind of anticipated going into year two, there being a little bit of an uptick there. Uh, but it is amazing in college hoops, man, these days. I, it, in addition to players that actually make it through their completion of their collegiate eligibility at the, at one place, um, you can almost count on two and a half, three players a year going, you know, going elsewhere, just moving on. That's, it's kind of the way it's, it's, it's worked now. A lot of talk, Travis, Kara Lewis could, could, is a serious first round candidate. I, 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 I viewed him as a, definitely a draftable guy. Um, but what, what I've, of course, nobody's, I wasn't nearly as sure that he was a first rounder as for instance, a Sexton. I think everybody kind of knew from the jump that Sexton Mm -hmm. was, was going to be out and gone. Uh, Lewis has obviously played more basketball in Alabama than Sexton did. But, um, to me, uh, the first thing they're going to ask of him in in that, in that everyday league is, is put some weight on without losing a step. I think he definitely needs to get bigger and stronger at the cup, but he's uh, uh, he's got all the quicks he needs. I think he's a little more advanced than Colin was from the perimeter, right? Um, if, if I had to have one of the two at the same stage in their development, and essentially both were one and one and duns because Kyra reclassified. You know, he moved up a year to come to Alabama for his freshman year. So even though he was here for two years, um, you know, he very easily could have been a freshman this past year. Um, so I, I'd take Kyra to make a jumper if I needed it at that point. But you're right in terms of getting knocked off his route a little bit and taking the basketball to the, to the rim. Um, Colin probably a little stronger at that same point. And there's no doubt that's where Kyra's got to pick it up. That's where he will pick it up as he continues to mature physically. But, uh, you know, both those guys similar in that they facilitate offense and whether it's getting their own or getting someone else, theirs, uh, there's no denying how they can impact things on the offensive end of the four. And I think for Kyra physically, probably even a bigger concern is trying to guard NBA players at his position, you know, at his size, because, uh, you know, you, you look at NBA guards, as you know, these, these, these guys look like, you know, free safeties in, in the NFL. I mean, they're, they're strong physical guys. Think about Sexton too. He, as good as he, as strong as he, as he was at, at finishing, he didn't have the biggest body. It's it's like, he just knew how to use it. You know? Yeah, and there was a mindset with Colin Sexton where every time he was on the floor, he was a dog. Yeah. You know, he he thought he was the guy, and he was. Um, I, I think Kyra has some of that, but probably not to the extent of uh, Colin Sexton. I mean, Colin Sexton had, uh, as a wise man once called it, crap in his neck, which is what uh, a lot of the greats have. You watch this last dance documentary right now with michael jordan there's that, never that, been more that, of that in a player than that guy that you what know? is that wise man uh, last name Ryer, <laughs> perhaps. Any well he, 
I, he, he, he thinks he's wiser than he is, but yeah, pops, he, uh, you know, he's, he's come with some buttes throughout the years and that's one of them. No doubt about it. It's going to do it for us. Go ahead. He, he's got some crap in his neck. He would always say about particularly prickly players. You know, he's, he's got some, he's got some fantastic sayings. Yeah. Absolutely. He's got some, I, uh, mm-hmm. I need to run him down and get. Uh, I kept that one. I kept that one clean too. You know, for what he actually used to say. So, yeah, that's the uh, that's the FCC version, right? Yes. Yeah. Even though I think we can say about anything we want. Well, as if you long make a Michael as, Jordan, doc, as long you as can. we as long as we notate explicit, you yeah. know, on the description. What know? about the what about yeah. that blue language in the Jordan doc? Uh, you know, look, that's who the guy was. I, I'm loving this thing, man, yeah. because. You know, you know how these things can work. It's like, it's like Jackie Sherrill writing an autobiography, you know, and, and, and there, there's the autobiography that Jackie Sherrill wants us to, to read. I don't want that one. Okay. Yeah. I want the one about why A&M got hit with probation and he was forced out of his gig back in 88. You know, that's the one I want. That's the Jackie I want. I want the real one. So, uh, I, I, I'm enjoying it because I think the, the, my initial thought probably you too, and I've heard other people say this without watching it is, well, I experienced all that when it happened, this footage and this stuff that they've got, no, 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 no. You didn't experience this on, you know, the NBA on NBC. Okay. I can promise you that. You notice it's fascinating. You you notice they're also though, they're, they're bleeping it out on the deuce. For the for the crowd yeah. for the crowd that right. doesn't, doesn't yeah. want that, which is which is I thought. Yeah, that was well, I got it on the HBO version. You know, <laughs> I got it on ESPN. I'm so doing I'm doing the same thing. I want the full I want the full MJ. Okay, give it to me. Yeah. So Kitty, kitties to bed. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Not sure when exactly we'll be back. Obviously, we're going to keep monitoring things with UA Sports and and the restart and how quickly that happens, how quickly things reopen. Uh, but uh, we will certainly buzz back in, Travis, as warranted throughout the summer. Absolutely. Look forward to it, man. All right. This has been the Talking Tide podcast with Travis Ryer and Chase Goodbread. <laughs>